Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Uh, We'd like to thank the folks at uh, Painted Hills Natural Beef for helping bring this show to you. That's Beef the Way Nature Intended and also Ben Hogan Golf, home of the Hogan Demo Program. No risk or obligation. Um, Well, Sean Lanny is back today with us. It's been a year or so since Sean's been on the show. Sean is an instructor here. You've seen him on Golf Channel. Um, He owns a facility called the Golf Locker, which is an indoor coaching facility, but he also works out of Langdon Farms uh, here in uh, the great state of Oregon. Sean, how are you, buddy? Hey, I couldn't be any better. I'm glad to be on your show. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, I was a little concerned about you. I read about somebody that that drowned down at Lake Shasta, and I was uh, wondering if that was you. Fortunately, that wasn't me, even though I think we had a maybe too much fun down in Lake Shasta. Uh, I, I definitely did survive the trip. <laughs> but I'm not surprised because there's so many rocks exposed because the water level is so low. Right. It is uh, how low the water level at Lake Shasta is. It's sad. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've seen pictures. I haven't been down there in a long time, but I've seen pictures of it. So, what's going on with Sean's golf world there? Well, um, you know, for the most part, I've been traveling throughout the West Coast. I work with um, a couple famous caddies. Uh, Bones Mackay uh, down at Scottsdale, obviously JT's caddy. Uh, work with Michael Greller up in Gig Harbor, which is Jordan Tom Jordan Speed's caddy. Uh, off and on, I've been kind of working with other players uh, on tour, but quite frankly, I love the weekend warriors a lot better than the high maintenance tour players. Um, I'm currently down in California. I'm at uh, I'm at Monarch Beach Golf Links in Dana Point, California. It's a lot cooler down here, uh, but. You know, for the most part, my indoor facility, the Golf Locker, um, I'm actually going through a trademark name. Uh, there was a trademark infringement um, with a federal and state trademark. So I'm changing the name of that business. Uh, I have three employees. Uh, we are open Monday through Saturday from basically 8 o'clock to 8 o'clock, full day. And I've got staff that accommodates our simulator business, our coaching and our fitting. We have an entire tailor-made uh, fitting fleet at the Golf Locker. Like I said, the, the name will change sooner than later. But, uh, and, you know, obviously what I do at Langdon Farms, I'm, I'm about as busy as I can be at Langdon Farms. Uh, and that's an unbelievable facility to coach out of. It's probably one of the best conditioned public golf courses in really the greater part of Portland. So very, uh, very excited. It's been a, it's been a, a really promising 2022. Uh, 
as you know, golf is pumping and there's no lack of golfers. So now our job is to ultimately be able to maintain how many golfers are now in the game of golf and help them continue to get better and improve their games. What do you do? <clears throat> excuse me, Sean. What do you do with, with bones and Michael? Are you yeah, coaching so, them or what? Yeah, they've, they've called upon me because their players, uh, Justin and Jordan have asked them to improve their green reading skills. Uh, and I think their jobs were kind of on the line. Um, I think Michael and Jordan were button heads a little bit because, you know, they weren't really doing well leading into the win that Jordan had. Um, and, you know, really I spent a lot of time with Michael early on, um, uh, just purely helping him understand Aimpoint Express and the whole green reading concepts that uh, Aimpoint Express helps a player. So Michael basically was called into 11, 11 different putts on the West Coast swing, and he went 11 out of 11 putts. Jordan trusted his read 11 times and made those putts, trusted and built some rapport with Michael. Michael's uh, probably utilizing Aimpoint uh, on every putt that he is called in on, but Jordan has a problem with where Michael positions. So trying to get through to Jordan so he can be a little bit more trustworthy with Michael's footwork because the feet have to be positioned almost aside from the intended line of the putt. Because aim point obviously is a feel-based approach uh, for the folks that went to the live event. Uh, at Pumpkin Ridge, there was probably, I don't know, there's probably a good half dozen to a dozen players that were using Aimpoint. You look at Cameron Smith at the Open. He is our poster child with I bet. You know, how, how he uses his hands and his fingers to articulate how much a putt's going to break. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, accurate way to read putts. And, uh, and so, you know, my time with Bones and, and Michael really is just a simple reading ideas so that they can help their player. That's interesting because I don't know a whole lot about Aimpoint. Um, I, you know, you see them like you say they're out there holding up their fingers or their their feet or you know trying to balance and feel it right. that way and do that. But I don't know really how that works. Yeah. So basically, the player goes into it initially. I have, I have Aimpoint Express. Uh, group workshops at Langdon Farms. I also do one-on-one sessions at my indoor facility because I have a, a custom-built Aimpoint spec putting green. And quite frankly, the player has to feel flat slopes, subtle and severe slopes. And then ultimately what they have to do is uh, they have to blend that into a short putt, single breaking putt, and then multiple breaking putt strategy. So they have a plan for every single putt that they're trying to hit. Uh, it really just creates a an opportunity for a golfer to eliminate guessing at what a putt's going to do. Well, I think that's what most of us do, Sean, is guess. I mean, our, we, we give it our best guess, but we still guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when a, when a player plumb bobs, when a player walks circles around the ball, the hole, honestly, that just leads to them making a glorified educated decision on what the actual putt's going to do. Honestly, it's kind of hit and miss. Their percentages of making the putt are highly reduced when you're 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 guessing at how much a ball is going to break. It just right. it just doesn't work out well. However however good you are, it just doesn't work out that well. Who do you think was? We'll step away from aim point for a second. But who do you think was the best 
green reader naturally that we've seen in the last, you know, 40 years? Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue against the imagination and the, the creativity of Tiger Woods, but, um, you know, I, I think you go down the road of like, you know, the Ben Crenshaw, um, I think that that man had a beautiful, uh, ability to use his imagination to create, he probably had good vision. I don't know if a lot of players these days have vision. I think there's too much noise in their decision-making. I think, you know, too many players were brought up, um, in a position where they were, um, in a, in a spot where they were, you know, trying to do too much from a green reading perspective. So I think it's changed a lot. And I think, I think Ben Crenshaw pound for pound, I have met the man I've seen him numerous times, but I think he's definitely the type that really had a, you know, a really good knack for, uh, you know, picking out lines and then picking out spots, hitting the ball on certain lines and, and just really being quite creative there. I would, I would, uh, I would agree with both of those uh, assumptions, but I will say that I think, and I'm a, an unabridged Tiger fan, <clears throat> have been for a long time, but I think with creativity of putts and being able to read the greens, I would, I would, Tiger's at the top of the list for me. That's just my opinion, and yeah. it won't, it won't even buy you a cup of coffee. But uh, I think it's very. Uh, you know, interesting the way he could read a green and, you know, send a putt, you know, down the hill, around the corner and from the barber shop over, you know, over to the taco stand and then down in the hole. So it, it was, you know, it was always amazing to see what he could do. For sure. Yeah. So how do you putt? <laughs> uh I generally will utilize my feet to feel the side tilt of the slope. And then right. once I do that, standing for what the putt's going to do from, a, from an amount of break perspective, uh, then I kind of, I guess, blend the proper speed to my line. If I do make a good committed stroke, I'm actually rolling the ball and I feel like I'm actually capable of making a lot of putts. I mean, my confidence level when I actually go through my process is, is fairly well uh, committed. So, um, you know, I, I expect my, myself to make putts when I get out there on the golf course. For sure. there, there you go. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Sean Lanny from the Golf Locker, <coughs> Langdon Farms, and just about anywhere you might find him. But we'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860 KSEY and Wichita Falls Golf News Net. Uh, W-E-E-U back in Pennsylvania. I can't remember them all, but they're there. If you want to contact us, it's really easy. Just info at grillingatthegreen.net. And, of course, we've got Facebook and all the social media platforms. Um, very, very easy to get a hold of us. We're talking with Sean Lanny today from, um, well, I don't know how you've got so many things going on. I don't know what you want me to call you. <laughs> You can just call me Sean. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, I, I literally teach all over the West Coast in Mexico. So my home is the Pacific Northwest. 
Uh, that's where my little, my little two-year-old boy is at. And uh, we have a great time. He's a golfer and I don't have to push golf on him, but when I'm not spending time with my son, I'm doing my best to grow the game of golf. That a boy, that a boy. So when you opened the golf locker, um, how was it received right away? Did it take a little bit of time to get everybody in gear? I'm sure the people that you were already teaching, you know, jumped in on it, but the rest of them, uh, how, you know, that's a big expense to put yeah. something like that together. Yeah. So we initially launched in, in May of 2021. Um, that first summer was honestly slow from the simulator business, but I immediately brought in a uh, Michael Neff's uh, Gears Golf 3D motion capture system. We have a 10 camera system. We have a full avatar suit that players wear. And quite frankly, it's been an absolute booming late part of 2021. And now 2022 has been absolutely off the Richter scale with our business. I have two part-time employees and I one full-time coach, uh, Delmar Strader Jr. He actually works at uh, Columbia Edgewater. Um, he cuts cups as a side job at Columbia Edgewater and he's unbelievably good at it, but he has a unbelievable passion for golf and coaching. And he's learning how to communicate effectively as a coach, which is probably one of the toughest things to learn to do as a golf instructor and coach. Um, half of our job is to educate, but the most important thing that a golfer that comes and sees me, um, they takes a specific task away from a coaching session so that they're not over consumed with just information. I am not trying to ever impress upon my knowledge upon a player. I need to give them what they can take and ultimately what they can apply to their golf swing, uh, in a very simplistic way that. The, the golf locker now, we have members, we have summer pass, um, we have simulation rentals, we have birthday parties with uh, beanbag chairs and popcorn machines. Uh, I have a high-level technology base that has pretty much every piece of technology under one roof. Um, you know, honestly, it's, it's a dream. It's a dream to be able on a rainy day to go there and bring in six, seven players and put a roof over their head and give them some clarity on how they're going to get better. Uh, when I go down to Langdon Farms, it's, uh, it's a place where we work on performance and we work on hitting shots off different lies and we get to see ball flight. Um, but, you know, Langdon Farms is it's my support system for the uh, ability to get a player to learn to perform. That's the right. biggest thing we've, we were able to do. And, and Aaron and, and David Stead are, uh, you know, unbelievable support systems at Langdon Farms uh, for everything that I do. Well, uh, two things came to mind is one, I've, I haven't been through your process, but uh, I've been through another process where they put the harness on me. In fact, I've been through it a couple of times. And the one thing as a weekend warrior, as you call this, is that sometimes you can get information overload. I mean, we've got it in our daily lives. I'm not even talking about golf, just you know, going to the grocery store or filling up with gas or whatever. It's just we're bombarded with information. And I saw the merits of all that, but I guess my feeble brain couldn't, couldn't absorb everything because it was like, we'll do this and do this and try this. And they were all very nice. Don't get me wrong. They were all very nice, but it was just kind of, 
too much at one time. And then as time went on, you know, and I'd be on the course or something, I would think, oh, yeah, we talked about that. But it was it was just like Operation Overload. Well, and Jeff, Michael Neff, which may or may not have been on your show, he's a local legend in Portland. I don't know if he's been on your show. No, he has not. So Michael Neff basically is the founder of Gears Golf, and Gears Golf is a 3D motion capture. So the inner intelligence of this technology basically tells my iPad to push one button, and it tells me to look at one specific thing first. And that's the inner intelligence of the technology. I don't need to make any guesses because I can measure. And then his technology has all the algorithms so that I can look at X, Y, and Z, and I can decide on what to what direction to move forward with the player. And quite frankly, that's the one thing that the player may need to work on that we might actually physically assign them to work on during the session. And it may be that session. We may not have to actually physically do anything else. We just might need to work on achieving that one new skill set. Um, so you got to come in, you got to experience it. Um, and honestly, it takes 15 minutes to go through and get you dressed in the full suit, calibrate your golf club. We collect a couple swings when we see a golf shot that we like to see or maybe a, a golf shot that you struggle with. We can blend and utilize the technology to troubleshoot and like tell us exactly right to look at. And it's just, it's fantastic. So it's, we're one of very few facilities in the uh, really West of Texas that really have this piece of technology. It's, it's a $35,000 piece of technology that, um, is extremely unique to all the players. I've got players flying in, staying at Heathman Lodge or staying at the new properties in South Vancouver and, you know, going through a gear session. And the next thing you know, they have a flight three hours later. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's just a very unique piece. I've worked with Michael Neff. He works with Cameron Smith, Ricky Fowler. Uh, he's trained me to look at all the unique pieces of uh, how to use a piece of technology in a simplistic way so that we don't overwhelm a player, a golfer with information overload. Well, that's a, that's a good thought, actually, you know, make make sure you come up and see us. I I will do that. Uh, We're going to take another break here on uh, grilling at the green. Sean and I will be back right after this. Please stay with us. It's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks again at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef, you can be proud to serve your family and friends. Check them out online at paintedhillsnaturalbeef.com. You know, a lot of people ask me, like, why do you always talk about the beef people? Well, the name of the show is Grilling at the Green. And even though we don't spend a lot of time talking about food, I do that on my other show. Uh, It's important when you get home and you want to, 
you know, throw some stuff on the grill for your family and friends. That's why we talk about Painted Hills Natural Beef. Also, Ben Hogan Golf, tour quality clubs at factory direct prices. You can go to BenHoganGolf.com. They'll actually send you a couple of clubs that you can try out at no cost and no obligation. So check that out at BenHoganGolf.com. And then don't forget, you can email us very easily at info at grillingatthegreen.net. We're talking with Sean Landy today. Uh, Sean's all over the West Coast. And uh, I don't know, you're everywhere. Let's just put it that way. You're everywhere. And good for you, man. Um, what What is your opinion on there's a lot of indoor facilities popping up, especially where we live in the Portland area? Yeah. Um, in the Tualatin area now, I think there's four. Yeah, uh, uh, four in that area. Yeah, and I mean that's all. If you, I think if you take it for what it's worth, which is a place to go, hit some balls, have some fun, practice a little bit, and of course you get to play the course that you select, whether it's Pebble Beach, which is right behind me here, or um, what have you. But. Uh, when somebody's playing on those, can they, how do I want to say this? Can they make the wrong assumptions of something they see without some professional help? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think the vast majority of the facilities that are around that Tualatin area, um, excluding Brian Henniger's golf farm, right. um, you know, I think Brian Henniger and I have more of a golf culture. I think we have more emphasis on coaching and uh, player development than the facilities that are more socialized golf indoor facilities. So to your question right there, I mean, I have a lot of players that, uh, you know, junior golfers that go to X golf or infinity golf and the, the parents won't actually take them back there because, you know, the junior in high school has, been hitting golf balls and then there's a group socializing and having drinks and next thing you know there's some vulgarities that are thrown out there because let's face it, the adults are blowing off steam having fun well that right. junior is trying to get some work into their game it doesn't coincide to the environment that the junior golfer needs to be in so um i i think that it's great for the game to have the indoor facilities um i think my facility brian's facility is probably much more geared towards the the culture of golf and the development to kind of heighten one's level of play. But um, I, I think to answer your question, it's uh, it's a huge thing for the player to recognize when they hit a shot and the ball doesn't go straight or they hit turf before the ball. If there's any information that they get back from the technology, it should be kind of like a very narrow, like specific thing that the player has to help troubleshoot their game. But unfortunately the technologies probably don't decipher the right information for the player. So if they're hitting a slice, I mean, let's face it, a, a player who slices the golf ball, generally 70% of the reason why the ball curves is because the club face is glancing across the golf ball, whether that's an open face or that is a path that is directed and swinging across the golf ball that right. caused so it could be the, the player's grip. It could be the way that their their uh, their arm motion, their hand motion swings and directs the club back to the ball. It could be a variety of things. So, you know, when the player hits a slice or a draw or a hook or a fat or a top, I mean, let's face it, the player could probably install five, six new ideas into their brain 
and they could try to work on something, but most likely they're going to select something that is trying to address or fix the effect of the problem versus the root cause of the problem. Yeah. So I, I try to really, truly, honestly get my players to understand we have to attack the root cause for what they're struggling with. And if we attack and address the root cause for what their problems are, we're going to make boatloads of improvements. And that's really what I do with my coaching. I've, I try to get my players comfortable because let's face it, golf is intimidating. So if we can get my, our players comfortable in the environment that they're in, because most of the time players are stressed out, they're, they're anxious, they're worrying about how they look, they're worrying about how their swing looks. Uh, but bottom line is we have to get them comfortable. Then we have to help them understand their tendencies and the real reason why their swing produces issues and mistakes. So that's right. kind of what I, my game plan. Have you ever had a student you just went, well, I'm not sure I can get through to this person. <laughs> Jeff, yesterday morning, my nine o'clock client, God bless his heart. He stuck with me the entire day. He had um, his, his right eye was his right eye was completely blind. So he had, um, you know, there was a, there was a stroke involved. There was a heart attack involved. Uh, he's a golf nut. His left eye had a torn retina, so he had very like partial oh, vision. Jesus. Um, he full blown had a neurological uh, yip that was in his putting stroke in his chipping motion. Um, you know, there was a couple things that we did, and quite frankly, we we got a couple things sorted out by shifting his eyes, so his eyes were not looking at a golf ball, and we focused more on a swing versus a hit, and. He worked hard. He was with me for 90 minutes. Um, it just, it was fat, fantastic to see him make some progress, but you know, I got him comfortable. I, I realized how stressed out he was when we first started and uh, he was in an environment that he was not comfortable in. And, you know, we just, we chatted for 15, 20 minutes and talked about pretty much everything, uh, not even related to golf. And then, you know, once we got into golf and we saw that he had a, a massive neurological disorder where he couldn't, he couldn't strike at a golf ball. He couldn't hit down. He couldn't actually make contact with the ground, uh, hitting a chip shot and putting was just atrocious, but I mean, he figured it out and, and he was patient enough, but as a, as a 41 year old, I probably would not have known how to handle him when I was in my twenties, um, or in my thirties, but you know, fast forward 20 years and uh, a lot of different players that I've worked with. Um, right. you know, I, I think it was a, a pretty cool accomplishment for us. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Um, when we're going to take a break, uh, not for a commercial, but we've got Bruce Furman coming up who Sean knows and works with down at Langdon farm sometimes. And Bruce is a part of this show. So we're going to let you hear his tip of the week. And then we're going to come back with Sean right after this. Hi, this is Bruce Furman. I'm the director of instruction out at Langdon farms. And today's tip, I'm going to talk a little bit on how to start your backswing. Uh, a lot of people ask me that and there's different ways of, of doing it. But when you study swings, and I have a um, computer program, and I have uh, lots of tour pro swings that I've studied over the years, and a lot of my I film myself, believe it or not, down at different tournaments. And when you look at it and you really study it closely, you'll see that most tour pros actually have a subtle move off the ball, meaning if you're right-handed, you're moving to the right. And believe it or not, when you look at it you know, with a computer program, you'll see that they actually start that move a lot of times before they even move the club. So they, they move the club with that subtle move to the right, and then the coil, the turn begins 
as they move to the right and that left shoulder then will go under their chin behind the ball their back will be to the target they'll they'll put weight into their right leg 75 or so that right hip will go back and they'll they'll load up that right leg their left knee should go out toward the ball so when you start your swing that little subtle move to the right and then feel that coil into your back leg that'll help you get the club started in a in a tour pro uh, way and and you'll play much better rather than just keeping your your body still and pulling the club back like a lot of people do that's not the best way to do it so i hope that helps you thank you bruce we appreciate that folks you can find out more about bruce by going to the langdon farms website check on the instruction icon there it'll have a little drop down menu you'll see a a uh, picture of Bruce and his hours and what he teaches and all that. I think there's even a rate card on there. So that's what you can do. everybody it's jt and this is a special version of grilling at the green grilling at the green is brought to you in part by painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends that's painted hills natural beef welcome back to grilling at the green um you know, this is the show where we talk about golf and golfers and some food sometimes and all that. It's uh, like me, well-rounded. I'll just put it that way. Uh, we're talking with Sean Landy today from uh, the Golf Locker and Coach and Langdon Farms and all of that. So we were talking about, you were talking about in the last segment, Sean, the golfer that had some neurological problems yeah. and how that came through. The biggest thing in golf is bad backs. Right. Um, I know because I, I suffer from that. I actually have had back surgery and stuff. And uh, I think as a golfer, as a weekend warrior, when I get out there and I'm playing and I'm, you know, I'm having fun and doing what we're doing, but, but it seems like every, through every round, there's a little stretch that where you all of a sudden the, the golf gods hit you in the head with a hammer and you can't strike the ball properly. I like that, but I know what it is because without going into, you know, morbid detail here, there's, uh, sometimes my back just gets tired, right. you, you know, and, and I can't quite make the proper contact that I want as a coach. How do you work with somebody like that? And then what is your advice on telling them what to, to do, how to handle it? Well, Jeff, I, th I think the thing that you'll find if you're a player that relates to what you just said and you basically have back pain or um, 
discomfort of any sort in your low back, um, I would suggest that a player understands there's a difference between a flat back or a rounded back. Right. And a player that has a flat back has a lot of arch in their low back, and that's called S posture. So S posture forces a player to have to typically maintain the arch in their low back, which is impossible, and it creates low back discomfort and injuries. So you'll look at a guy like Matt Wolf. You'll look at a guy um, like like Adam Scott, they all have softer rounded backs and their tailbones are kind of tucked underneath and they actually have less pelvic tilt and their pelvis is a lot flatter. So they don't have the arch in the low back. Honestly, those players don't have to maintain arch in their low back in their golf swing. So their pelvis rotates, but it doesn't have to maintain this tilt. And it's, it's a game changer from the perspective of eliminating back injuries. And I'll tell you this, uh, if you looked at yourself in a mirror, like basically where I'm at, I'm looking back at a mirror this way. I'm going to look back and I'm going to check, see, do I have a lot of like roundness in my pelvis? Do I have a lot of like tailbone dropping and the belt buckle that goes up? Or do I have a lot of that S posture and I have a lot of low back arch? So, you know, a player has to be aware of that. But I typically will teach a player how to independently move their pelvis and they have to learn, they have to do ground exercises. They have to understand how to actually incorporate pelvic tilt and then pelvic tucking. And whether you have a great golf swing or you're brand new to golf, you like physically need to understand how to physically get your body in a good position so that you can golf and you don't hurt yourself. Yeah. It can be really tough. I mean, you know, you, because prior to the injuries and the surgery and stuff, you know, I didn't have that kind of problem, but as the years progressed, <clears throat> and that's part of the equation, I think that, uh, as you get older, um, sometimes those little buggers will rear their ugly head and then you start battling that. And that can be very, uh, it's hard because if you have a golfer that, um, at some point in his life played pretty well. Um, you know, not tour quality or anything like that, but as an amateur played pretty well, was happy with their game. And then all of a sudden, you know, they can't hold the position to hit the ball. It can become very frustrating to them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough. And uh, I feel for everybody with that, because like I said, I've, I've had to learn a few things differently on um, how to, how to address and how to make the swing versus what I did 30 years ago. You know, it just doesn't like it. And as far as the belt buckle goes, I don't know. I haven't seen mine in years. It's hidden by a man-made shelf there. So it's, <laughs> it's, um, I'm not, you must, you must be grilling a lot. Then. I, I am. I, I'm doing my fair share of grilling. I will tell you that. Okay. Um, Sean's going to stick around for after hours. I know he's got to go, but we will, uh, make that one brief, but Sean, I want, how can people find you? First of all, yeah, you can basically visit Sean or the golf locker.co. And, um, I'm always at Langdon farms. I have all my information on the Langdon farms website. Um, I'm here to help. And, uh, we have a tremendous amount of, uh, technologies available as well as uh, time available at Langdon farms at both properties. So feel free to reach out. Happy to help. There you go. Sean, thank you for being with us. Stick around. You're not going to go anywhere. I'm, I'm not done grilling you yet. Ha ha. 
Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green, everybody. I thank you for listening and go out there, play some golf, have some fun and take care. We'll see you later. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.